Hello, and welcome to the Meddling Kids Podcast, a groovy review of everything Scooby-Doo. I'm your host, Chase Kupo. And wow, here it is, my first official mainline episode. I have my introduction episode, as well as my top 10 Scooby-Doo episodes and or movies posted, so you can listen to those whenever you please. But it is super exciting to be digging into an actual episode. So here we go with the Phantom of Country Music Hall. We open with the gang on their way to a Jerry Reed concert. We know this because Fred says very convincingly, it was sure nice of Jerry Reed to invite us to his concert tonight. They arrive at the Andrew Jackson Hotel, great name, to see Jerry, but he isn't there. They're given a note in which they, which Jerry supposedly tells them to go to the great old country music hall where he is rehearsing. I would think that this is a red flag, personally. He set the side, he set the time aside to meet you at his hotel, but then he gives you a note to go see him. I can't remember if the note is part of the mystery or not, and if it isn't, then why even show this scene? I guess I'll find out, but you know, where's the editor on this one if, if it's not? The country hall is a bit more run down than the gang expected, so everyone's a little on edge. They find a note threatening Jerry not to play tomorrow or he will get his. It is cordially signed, The Phantom. Great. Classic Scooby stuff right here. This is a cue for the gang, obviously, to enter the shady-looking music hall, or at least former music hall. Of course. Now, I wouldn't do it, but they think their friend may be in trouble or something, so I'll give them this one. Scooby is shamed into joining the gang's investigation. And I have to say here, the sound design is rather awful in this one. So heads up if you're watching it with me or if you watch it before or after. I don't know if it would make sense to watch it after, but either way, the sound design is awful. Heads up. And it's actually, it made it a little tough to watch Scooby's cute little boxing routine here be because of the sound design. But, you know, it's a give and a take when you're watching these old Scooby episodes. Now, Scooby then steals Shaggy's sandwich... They have a little showdown with an owl, which are always painted as very scary in Scooby-Doo, but uh, they're not at all. They're great in real life. Uh, The older kids are struggling to break and enter, even though they have had a lot of practice at it. Velma comes through with a ridiculous yet genius plan to make a catapult out of a sapling. Fred says, now all you have to do is relax, Shaggy, and you'll go right through the window. So Shaggy launches through the window and somehow survives, and he lets the gang in. It's kind of a throwback to the uh, the episode, the first episode of the show. Um, so once they get in, there is a very butch maid, uh, a woman, but uh, very large, you know, built like a linebacker, starts yelling at the gang for trespassing. She is right, but she's also suspicious because she exists. Honestly, I mean, her her build, her her attitude. This rundown building, it's very mysterious, worthy of investigating, even if it requires breaking and entering into an, uh, an abandoned building. Butch makes a call after the gang convinces her to let them look for their friend real quick, and she, she tells a mysterious voice on the other side of the line that they have snoopers. Now, Jerry Reed is nowhere to be seen, but the banner on the stage is a work of art. There's a farmer. It's just a farmer in his fields. It's very, very country. A little on the nose, but very country. Now, the eyes on this set piece, this impressive set piece, move, and then the gang has to flee that spot because that whole set piece falls down, almost crushing them. After they recover, or as they recover from the incident, the near-death incident, Jerry Reed's music 
begins playing, interrupting the gang's panic. Fred opens a, a door and he finds a recycled character design and voice. And no, but uh, this character, he opens up the door and there's there's a, a big guy standing there, also very butch. He was in the Vulture Cl Vulture's Claw episode. He was the real estate agent, I believe, that was trying to uh, trying to snake the 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 island for uh, very on the cheap, you know. But anyways, uh, this guy, this recycled voice and character design, sounds like the voice on the phone uh, that the butch maid was talking to. Recycled voice guy sends the gang to check a pizza palace. I think it's called the Pizza Palace. It actually sounds very quaint and good. Uh, to look for Jerry, saying that they were just hearing a recording of his music, and he tells them to drive safely. <laughs> yeah, uh, careful, gang. Uh, Recycle and Butch make a promise to move their plans up. Their plans aren't revealed, but it must be something important for them. Right after they do that, we uh, we go to the Pizza Palace with a gang, and they hear a radio report mentioning that bank thieves stole $2 million and are on the run. A coincidence? Definitely. Uh, Velma proves that they do know what they're doing in breaking and entering because they go back to the abandoned building, and she said that she unlatched the stage door to let themselves back in to investigate. It's like she knew they were going to get caught. Hmm. Joke's on her, though. It's locked again. They try to launch Shaggy through the window again, but Butch is there, and she must know about the old catapult trick, as they call it multiple times in this episode, because she closes the shutters on him. Velma adds insult to injury by opening the door very easily. Uh, Shaggy, before they launched him into the into the side of a building, he tried to open the door, and I believe he was trying to pull when it was a push, or vice versa. So Velma hurts him and then makes him look stupid. And once they get in, you know, the gang splits up and there's a, a very distasteful. No, they don't split up, actually. They get in and they hear something thumping down some stairs. And it's very distasteful, actually. There's a wooden Native American head bouncing down the stairs. I mean, I can't even begin to imagine the actual reason that this was even included in the episode. I don't remember the episode. So it's actually kind of quite shocking to see that come rolling down the stairs. We're digging back into that Scooby visceral horror, uh, which they would revisit later with Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Now, the gang hears Jerry's voice again, but they can't pinpoint his location. They hear it through the, the air vents, the ventilation system. They split up to look for him. Shaggy is really laying it on Scooby with you know puns and jokes this time around. He's really giving poor Scooby a hard time. And I'm I'm shocked at this point that 17 minutes in, we have not seen one image or... or image yeah i guess that works one image of the phantom unless i missed it i've been looking down writing these notes so maybe i missed it but still not much emphasis on the actual phantom of country music hall shag and scoop get involved in some shenanigans per usual with a stuffed or maybe maybe just a skin suit whatever it's called tiger uh, they end up in the costume area backstage and they hear jerry again as they hear Jerry, the older kids hear him too, and they try to hatch a plan to communicate back to him. Now, their idea is genius. Velma goes and screams into a ventilation shaft, which shouldn't have taken as much thought as the gang made it seem like it should. Now, Jerry hears them, and now the race is on to find what room he's actually in. His voice is echoing through the entire ventilation system. I mean, Shag and Scooby try to open the prop room door, uh, they try to open it the wrong way, thinking they found Jerry, so they have to, you know, barrel in with their body. They have to break the door down. It's a very it's a very uh, masculine show from Shaggy. 
Uh, they haven't found Jerry. It's the wrong room. This place is an absolute maze, and the gang might have stumbled. I'm thinking they might have stumbled into the underworld. Ah, uh, never mind. The older kids found him. They found Jerry. Now, either Butch or Recycled Guy is making a living out of scaring Shaggy and Scooby by turning off lights in the room that they're in. It's happened at least three times so far. And Jerry Reed, he doesn't know anything about a phantom or a threatening note, which is pretty suspicious. That word always gets me when I try to say it the first time. So the mystery is really starting to get pretty mysterious here. Daphne definitely doesn't believe that Shaggy can play a xylophone, which seems to floor our skinny friend. He's very hurt by it, but they just breeze right over it. And the lights, once again, start flickering as Shaggy tries to get over the shock that Daphne doesn't believe he can play the xylophone. And then Butch shows up again, yelling about cleaning. Uh, Jerry tells her to go away, I've got to practice, and she just does, I guess. You know, kind of choose your, choose your battles, as they say. After that incident, you know, the lights went off as the maid walked away. There's a little bit of commotion in the darkness, and after that incident, Jerry's guitar is missing. Shag and Scoob are shamed once again into staying and helping. Scooby does a funnier boxing routine this time. Trust me, it's, it's cute. And then, then the gang decides to split into twos to search for the guitar, because now they have an even number of people, which is rare because it's normally five. Now, uh, on, on the main stage, the devil almost takes Daphne and Fred, but instead they fall through a trap door after they heckle the attempt at the jump scare. The devil was uh, just a prop piece from a, a previous show. Uh, assume, presumably Butch or Recycled Guy, you know, popped it up out of there to try and scare them. Shaggy tries to get smart and find the xylophone to Jerry to rehearse for Jerry to rehearse with. The whole reason they're looking for the guitar is not because it's his some some treasured guitar or something he he loves dearly and needs. It's just he's like I can't rehearse for the opening tomorrow, which is weird that he's just the opener. Well, I guess they're reopening the the place that they're in. It hasn't been used in a year, but he's like I can't rehearse without a without a guitar. I need a guitar. So Shaggy, you know, tries to get smart, like I said, find the xylophone. At least there's something for him to rehearse with. Uh, they trip over, actually, in this point, they trip over the statue of the Native American sands its head. I, I still don't even know why that imagery is even included. There's no context whatsoever, except for maybe a little bit of, you know, ignorance. But it's an old show. So Jerry and Velma save Fred and Daphne from the devil in time for Shaggy and Scooby to show up with the xylophone. And, you know, once they do, they, they have a little conversation. And uh, out of nowhere, I mean, I missed this part. I missed the, their introduction, the first shot that showed them moving. There were some statues of some different characters, Hunter, Viking, etc. So as they're, as they're speaking, a Viking and a Hunter steal the xylophone, which, you know, why not? There's no Phantom, but why not have these two guys steal the xylophone? Now, Velma makes a plan for a trap. Uh, she she wants Shaggy and Scooby to to be the live bait, but they're trying to stall. They don't want to do it. I mean, they always have to do it. So Fred, Fred volunteers heartily, which is rare. He never puts himself in harm's way. He's normally the one seemingly planning to harm people. Uh, Velma says no. She says, uh, we need Fred's muscles for this. And Jerry's like, hey, hey, I'll do it. He's a good guy. And Velma says no. Once again, they got to they gotta act cat. They got to fly casual. He They need Jerry not behind the scenes he needs to be out in the open and then uh shaggy and scooby you know shaggy says how about daphne daphne will do it <laughs> and velma says she uh, of all her excuses this is the worst she says that of course a girl can't do it wow velma 
You need to shift your worldview and realize your potential. So Shag and Scoob have to be the bait. They get got. They manage to find the xylophone and Jerry's guitar until the Viking comes back to try and take it. Uh, he has a classic slapstick run-in with his hunter friend. Uh, the xylophone actually proves to be a good weapon of defense. They use it to get away and transportation. The Viking and the hunter try to chase them down on some f- dollies, you know, some flat carts like you see at Lowe's or Home Depot. It's a very funny little chase scene. And, uh, you know, they go through that chase scene and they get caught. Velma, her trap works, which is interesting because Fred always makes the trap and doesn't always work. Velma one, Fred zero. So Butch was actually a man in disguise, which is pretty obvious from the beginning. And it turns out that a note that the gang found earlier, a little piece of paper left on the floor, which, you know, always happens in these episodes. The villains really need to to be tidier about the details. The note that the gang found earlier was a musical code to open a secret door under the stage that housed the $2 million that they stole from the bank. And it all comes together in the end. It always does. What a great mystery. That about does it for this one. I think it was a great first official episode. I'm having a great time. Uh, Let me know if it's too short or too long. When I'm watching these episodes, I, I don't... You know, I watch the episode and I take the notes at the same time. I don't watch the episode all the way through and then take, you know, watch it again and take the notes. I'm, you know, I have to try and save some time. And I, I've seen almost all of these. I mean, we'll get into some of the, the Scooby Doo and Scrappy Doo and, you know, the, the Scooby Variety Hour and stuff that I haven't seen too much of. And maybe I'll have to do that. But for now, I've seen most of these, so I can kind of do this with uh, minimal watching. But just let me know if this is too short because. I don't want to go on and on and on each episode, but I also don't want to make this, you know, eat mo- I don't want to make the episodes too short to where it's just, you know, two seconds and it's over. But whichever way you prefer, let me know in uh, the Facebook discussion group. I'll try and initiate a post uh, when this on the date that this is posted. It should be Sunday. The let me look at my calendar. We'll call it Sunday the twenty fifth. But let me let me know how you like this and if you'd like to see it changed at all. Uh, thank you all for, for listening. Thank you to Dave Seste for his use of his music, Night Surfing, for our theme song. And uh, thank you for uh, to Tiff Franks for all her contributions in the past. And when I first, you know, the first couple weeks of me, me doing this podcast, she's stepping down as moderator of the Facebook group. But everything she's done so far has been a blessing. Thank you, Tiff. And I will see... We'll, We'll see you next time on the next episode of the Meddling Kids podcast. And remember, we wouldn't have been able to do it without you meddling kids.